0: Hi there, you are listening to the Guitar Speak podcast. My name is Matt Wakeling. Thank you so much for joining me. Now we're up to episode 10, episode 10 of the podcast. And um, hey, thank you so much for listening in. It's a it's a little milestone, but we're still going to, you know, we're going to celebrate it. So hey, thank you for being one of our listeners. Um, you might be an iTunes subscriber or perhaps you'll listen through Stitcher or via guitarspeakpodcast.libson.com. Dot com. However you hear our show, thank you so much. We really appreciate you listening in. Um, those of you who've been sharing the episodes around too, that's really uh, helpful and awesome. So thank you so much. Thanks too to my wonderful guests. We've had some great guests and some amazing conversations about guitar, playing, guitars and stuff, you know, Uh, Michael Dolce, Michael Ross, Michael Fix, lots of Michaels, Pat Keegan from Pat Keegan Guitars, Peter Northcott, um, Brett Kingman, Bob Spencer, Um, that was a great interview that was last week, and uh, Rob Walker from talking about the Melbourne Guitar Show and we've got lots of great shows coming up too. Now in today's episode I speak to Daniel Steinhardt from the Gig Rig, which is a fantastic company that runs out of uh, Swindon, in the uh, kind of southern end of the UK. Now, Daniel's an expat Aussie. He, um, I met him in 1994 when he moved from Brisbane to Sydney, um, and he was doing some, just doing some gigs really. Then he wasn't inventing anything at that stage. But man, he is such a great guitar player, and um, man, we, we had a couple of jams, and I went to see him play um, at a couple of his gigs, and um, yeah, he's just really, really great guitar player anyway we kind of lost touch and um, the next thing I knew I was hearing about this company he'd started which as I mentioned is called The Gig Rig some of his clients um, who are using his state of the art switching equipment effects uh, switching include check this out Andy Timmons Steve Vai Steve Vai's guitarist Dave Viner Guthrie Gavane, um, Ed O'Brien from Radiohead Reeves at Gabrels um, man just lots of lots of players oh Jeff Beck I think Jeff Beck's used some of his stuff That's pretty cool Um, Daniel also co-hosts a YouTube show called That Pedal Show We're doing guitar and uh, guitar pedal reviews And um, that show's gone bonkers It's got over 30,000 YouTube subscribers And he co-hosts that with Mick Taylor It's a fantastic show So he tells us how that came about And what's coming up with that as well now, um, I need to let you know, the Skype line between Sydney and Swindon got a little bit funky on occasion, but most of the time it's pretty good. Most of the time it's quite, it's quite fine, but I just want to let you know. A couple of spots get a little bit hairy. All right, well, that aside, here now is my interview with Daniel Steinhard from The Gig Rig. All right, Daniel Steinhard, thanks for joining us at the Guitar Speak podcast. My pleasure. Now, you grew up in, is it Brisbane, Australia? I grew up. Yeah, I was in Brisbane till I was 17.
1: Okay. And um, Mackay, and I went to uh,
0: the Conservatory
1: of Music up in Mackay. Yeah. And yep. then ended up in Sydney.
0: Hey, so when when did you start playing guitar? Oh man, when I was four. wow. Wow. Uh,
1: yeah, it's it's a strange story. Mum was mum was uh, learning guitar when she was pregnant with me. and I had this, my brother got a guitar for Christmas when I was four, and I just, I had this reaction it out of that little cardboard box <laughs> strings, and it just freaked me out completely. Um, so, i just, I've always had a, a, an affinity just for the, the sound, the vibration of the instrument since mm-hmm. then. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I'm you know lots of guys you know the, the real musical guys the musicians first guitar players second i'm a guitar player first okay you just yeah. second. I yeah. really it's just the something about the instrument that i just i'm really passionate about yeah you know yeah. It's, it's, it takes two hands to play it you now you're so connected with it um yeah so yeah very much a um i mean you know i'm very passionate about music but i'm very very passionate about guitars and just you know, the way
0: they can be so emotive and very connected. Yeah, awesome. So you did, um, so weren't we at the Conservatorium? That was the, the music degree up there? Yeah, I did, um, did the jazz course Yeah. up there. And uh, my, yeah, so that, was, that was great.
1: Um, you know, I love jazz. It's kind of, it's still a grower for me.
0: Uh-huh.
1: <laughs> I'm still, still hacking away at
0: yeah,
1: it. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, I've got some, like, one of my very close friends, a guy called Paul Stacey. In Sydney and um, Mark John, sorry Paul Stacey in London, Mark Johns who lives in Sydney, um, and these guys are astonishing jazz players. And mm-hmm. you know, it's truly a part of their soul. I understand chord theory and and you know scales and you know all that stuff. Yep. but um, yeah, I, I haven't integrated it the way that these really great jazz players have. But it's a really understanding the mechanics behind music is so important you know, for any guitar player. That's that's what that was gave me.
0: Were you doing bands and things at the time?
1: Yeah, I mean, I've, I've always done bands. Since I was, I think I was drawing my first band when I was 15. And I don't think I've, when I first got to London, I wasn't in a band for a while. But apart from that, I've always been playing bands. I love just that connection that you get with, you know, people and, it's very it's very different from just being mates with someone It's mm-hmm. something very special is shared
0: yeah absolutely absolutely well when we met that was i think around 93 was, was that when you moved down to sydney yeah that that I move? moved down to sydney yeah and was that days gigs did you have a gig yeah
1: no up? i i so i was playing in a band in brisbane that i had been in for a few years and uh my girlfriend moved down to Sydney. Well, she wasn't my girlfriend at the time. She moved. She moved down to Sydney, and invited me to come down and hang out. And then I just fell in love with it. It was just uh-huh. the best place ever. It was so vibrant. And uh, so, quit the band in Brisbane. Moved down to Sydney. I was playing with Max Sharam shortly after that. Yeah, yeah. Um, toured with her for a long time, and then did a bit of a few things with Matthews. And, um, yeah. And then I met. Um, from the band and I met a guy uh, called Cuff and we started a little thing called The Wheelers and we were doing that for maybe seven or eight years, mm-hmm. you know, playing five nights a week. And that was great. You know, we were recording and um, very busy. So, yeah. And I am still very close friends with
0: all those guys, you know. You know yeah. Was Warren Jackson, was he the drummer in The Wheelers?
1: No, Paul Wheeler. Oh, Paul fact. Wheeler, is the drummer from House, and he was the drummer. Oh yeah, yeah.
0: okay, cool.
1: Yeah, he's um, <laughs> he's he's a very good he's a very good friend, um, amazing, incredible drummer. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, oh, but the thing is, right? So the, the story with the Wheelers is, Wheelers was a band created because. Paul was in a few bits and pieces. He couldn't commit to because he couldn't get money. So we thought, okay, we'll do a little cover thing on the side mm-hmm. to give you some money. And then he said, yep, no problem. Booked all these gigs. I said, we've got it, sort of mate. And he said, yep, okay, no worries. Well, I can do one night in about three months' time. And then in six months' time, we're all for a weekend. He's like, <laughs> no! So the Wheelers, I think, we are having 13 drummers that we used to. <laughs> um, but, but, I mean, Paul was the main drummer. But, you know, it was... Musical chairs at times are ridiculous, but okay. Mark, I always love every geek.
0: Yeah, cool. And uh, what were you playing at stage? What was
1: your rig like? Well, it was this. this so this was a real journey of discovery for me. So I, when I was doing the touring stuff, I was using um, I had a Sovtek fifty head, which is like a like a small basement head.
0: Yeah, yeah. I remember that head. I remember when you got it. Yeah, it was great because yeah. I
1: yeah because well, funnily enough, I remember you were playing an Mm-hmm. Combo, and I heard you play that, and I thought it sounded absolutely incredible. And I was looking for one, and I went to a guitar store, and said, "No, but have you tried this?" And it was the MIGD. Okay. I tried, yeah. that. well, you know, I'll, that'll that'll do. It was what I could put of the time, and it didn't sound. It sounded okay, but when you plug back into the front of it, so I had a rack with, with a Marshall Jane one and sorts okay. of digital non- digital nonsense plugged into that. It sounded fantastic. Yeah. So that was my touring rig for a long time. But then I started recording, working with a producer called uh, called Paul Como in Sydney. And because I didn't grow up with an abundance of amazing music, I didn't grow up. My dad wasn't into Zeppelin. You know? <laughs> yeah. Had my dad had organ music on yeah. LP. Um, so I didn't have this wealth of of knowledge and history behind what I'm listening to. Um, so I always thought uh, started, uh, the state-of-the-art had to be the best. It was the newest, it was the most expensive, it had the best technology. Of okay. course it has to sound better than everything else. Yeah. And then this producer bought in this box of old rusty effects pedals. And, you know, it's like, well, Dan, that sounds okay, but try one. And I thought, Oh, well, okay, I'll placate him <laughs> because this is not going to sound ridiculous. And he plugged into this... It's 1976 script electric mistress the 18 volt one, and that was it. I just changed that moment, changed everything for me. Just I had to reevaluate the way that I prepped my guitar sound because it was glorious, uh-huh, and wow. things were coming wow. out. And it was what I found. Was it was inspiring me to play in a completely different way. Yeah, um, and so I I went down to is it. Not Guitar Guitar, it was the, the Coogee Guitar Centre.
0: Oh, um... Sunburst? Uh,
1: there's, there's... No, Sunburst Music was Doug's shop. It was the one across That's the right. road. Oh,
0: Guitar Crazy?
1: Guitar Crazy, crazy in yeah. Coogee. So I walked into there with a credit card that had a couple of grand and I think that bought me about five pedals. So they <laughs> were expensive at that time.
0: Yeah.
1: And, uh... And it just changed everything it was just, um... But what I found was, this sounds are amazing that I can get from these individual pedals, but as soon as I put them into a chain, yeah. the sound went, you know, and uh, I couldn't work it out. And the other thing was, because I'd been touring, you know, with professional bands, and I'd have my rig set up, so I hit one button, and that was my sound. Yeah. And if I yeah. needed a different sound, it would be programmed under a different button. And uh, you know, so I was talking to this producer. And I said, you know, I've got these pedals and they're amazing, and I and uh, I love the sound of them, but they don't do what rack stuff did. And I could find anything at all that would that would help me sort this out. A friend of mine was the uh, guitar tech for Diesel, Johnny Diesel, he was called at the okay, time. Yep. And he, I was asked to go and do some help to MIDI mapping a few resets. And he had pedals and everything in his rack, and It was done by Pete Cornish at the time, but it was this. It was so big, and so eye-water expensive. I remember I would have bought a house for what that racket cost, wow. you know. And it was amazing. And I I remember hearing Diesel playing at that time, and he sounded he sounded just astonishing. I mean, he he always
0: has had a great sound. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Um, that you know he really went for it with that. We far out. It was just. <laughs> But that was just not practical for me. There was no way on earth I could do that. Yeah. So you know, well, there's nothing commercially available. I'm just gonna have to make something for myself, and that started. I tried to get up around in Sydney, um, and uh, no one was interested in it. Took me coming over to England. Okay. To um, sort of get that sort of. Wow. So when did you move over to England? I've been here since two thousand January two thousand
0: two. Okay. Yep. So you're in England. You got this great idea. Um, what happened next? Right. I, so I started when I was in Sydney.
1: I I was studying electronics purely because I had this idea. I had this vision of what this thing could be. Mm-hmm. You know, I had no previous electronics experience, but I knew that I wanted to create this thing. So I started doing courses and hang out with engineers and just soak up any sort of experience that I possibly could and was making great progress and to understand the circuits and you know what makes them tick we knew what I needed but then I got to I got to my talent limit with electronics uh-huh. you know because <laughs> then it got to a point with what i was trying to do there's a digital process involved there um, you know the analog side of things was fine but when it comes to um, digital control over these relays that I had you know it was got really complicated okay. um, so no one in Sydney was interested in helping me out, and then I got to England, and I probably, I probably called at least twenty different engineers in England, wow. and no one was interested. But I just I knew that there was something here, there was something that could be really cool. And then I got hold of this one guy, and he's an amazing engineer, but he also played guitar. Right. So we have this crossover point. Where I understand electronics, and I can talk to him about that, and he understands the guitar, you know. But he's, you know, he, I mean, he's an, an amazing engineer. He wins awards. He, he writes textbooks for university and stuff. I mean, you know, great. So he thought this idea had legs. So we started the business um, in two thousand and and two thousand and two. Okay. Okay. And you know, the, the first thing really was just to get this get it for me i just wanted it personally you know so he helped me design this this thing and then we made it and then you know just been imagining in my head for so long had materialized in front of me, which is the original white pro 14 it was done with relays and it was massive and yeah yeah but it had some really cool features in it one of the things um because what i from all my use of guitar playing and one of the things I understood was was gain structure, mm-hmm. about how, especially if you're using Vintage um, you really need to get uh, control over the gain. Yep. So for example, that old electric mission I was talking about, it is the most astonishing sounding pedal, but as soon as you kick it on, your level drops by about 15%. And that is part to do with the way the flanging effects works and the different notch filters that, that takes out certain frequencies um, so what happens is when you kick it on? It drops you out just enough to pull you out of the mix. Okay. Yeah. So you know when I first got this pedal, I, I, um, a friend of mine in Sydney worked on a little amplifier to put at the end of the pedal, at the end of the circuit, so that we could then lift the gain up to yeah, where right. yeah, it, right. was, it was usable again. And I thought, well, this is you know this is great. But what I want to be able to do is I want to have a controllable gain level for every sound, you know. Not just I don't want, not for the pedals, but for, you know, when you chain these effects together, you'll have a certain level. Hmm. And at the hmm. end of that, I want to be able to control that level. So that feature was on the very first ever system that we did. Okay. okay. Um, and then Mark Johns, who was for Ray Davies at the time, Mm-hmm. Um, and I met him at Aaron's wedding and you know he, he, we were talking about guitars and he is the most astonishing guitar player right. he's right. one of the teachers at um, Australian Institute of Music actually he teaches with David Holmes
0: oh okay yep
1: and so you know he, the guy is a phenomenon and he, he heard this he said oh, I'm going to get over I want to have a look I said yeah no problem and he checked it out and said can you make me one I, I really want one I'm like Oh, okay. Because I really thought that maybe other people would want this as well. Okay,
0: you know? <laughs> okay, so it's just your rig at this stage.
1: It was yeah. It was just it was mine. You know, you know. But anyway, so that that started off that business, and
0: um, yeah, we you
1: know ended up doing meeting um, Paul Stacey and did the rig for his um the Neil Finn tour, okay. and you know that was you know that was the start. It was. I think one of the things was because what we what we had done so new. It wasn't like we'd used an overdrive pedal, and everyone knew what an overdrive pedal yeah, was. Yeah, and it was really okay. hard. We had to educate people as well, as try and you know build a business and release a product. Okay. Um, so if you look back, what we did, I think the first review of that of that unit came out in 2004, and um, you know, because it really was. You know, the first, only the first thing I'd ever seen like that, and and uh, th- then since now, commonplace.
0: Yeah, it's like ubiquitous now, the looper.
1: Exactly, um, but that you know, we, it was us, it was us, and educating people about
0: okay.
1: why it's such a good idea to pull things out of your signal path when you don't need them.
0: You know, uh, yeah. Awesome. It looked, it looked to me. I, I was just sort of casually looking online. In fact, I think I came into this really late. I think I was minding my own business, reading um guitarist magazine, right? Uh, the, the British magazine, which I love. And they you are talking about this this contraption. I'm going. That's Dan Steinhardt.
1: <laughs> I don't think I even
0: knew you were in England by that stage. Um, right. So it it seemed like like from very much the outside, but it seemed like a lot of players jumped on a lot of pro players. Mm. once they knew it was out there, they jumped on it. You had pretty big names getting on board quickly.
1: Yeah, I think, I mean, we, we were very fortunate, but, it, I mean, it it definitely was, it's taken a long time, you know, I mean, 12 years since the very first review came out. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I think the difference is, uh, well, not the difference, from my perspective, I'm just a guitar player who loves who's just so passionate about this stuff. I, I know the difference it's made for my own playing. You know, being able to really finely tune the sounds that really inspire me and then actually take those sounds and be able to use them without any frustration, knowing that I'm getting the best sound possible. That's, that is everything I want to achieve, you know, and and, um, and I think it was apparent, you know, when these players started to use them, they started to get excited about them, they could use all their old pedals it uh, didn't cost a fortune, yeah. and um, you know, take them all out on tour. You know, um, we got the Miracle guys on board. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, so yeah, a lot of the the um the early Lunt players who were touring a lot, um, and sort of being here was really helpful. Because, like I said, I did, I tried to get the the idea going in Australia. In fact, when we first launched, I I um, bought some units back to Sydney <laughs> to try and put in some guitar shops in Sydney. No one was interested. Wow. wow. You know. Um, I don't know if that's because they knew me beforehand, a guitar player and they're trying to pedal some stuff. I don't know, it's really strange. Um, but yeah, being in, in London really helped um, because they're so close. Right. You know, right. I can I can I do a lot of work in Europe, um, I go to the States quite a bit, and it's, you know, I can do that from here, yeah. you know, okay. quite easily, okay. because it's really challenging trying to do it in, you know, from, from Australia.
0: You end up doing a lot of hands-on work now, you're like putting rigs together for for the players who use your stuff, hey?
1: Yeah, so, we're, so we are, um, I never meant for that to happen, but, uh-huh. right? Um But. You know, a lot of these guys have become really close friends, and so, you know, and they said, "Well, I need, I need a hand doing this," and I, I love putting this together.
0: Yeah.
1: Um. So I'm like, "Yeah, no, I'll, I'll help you do it." And we, you know, so we spend some time, and, and and they're like, "Wow, this, you know, it's such better than what I could have done on my own." I'm like, "Really?" You know. <laughs> but I think um, when so I got a call from Ed O'Brien from Radiohead, yeah, and uh, he asked me to do. You know, could him over and check out some stuff. He said, "Yeah, come over." So um, he got, he came over. and like this is exactly what I'm looking for. Yeah, um, can you put it together for me? I said, yeah, of course. And so I filmed that process. Yeah. And then you know, Ed came in to pick it up, and and I said, Do "You know, if we just film a bit, you know, of, you know, with you here." And I mean, I I had really hadn't um, anticipated his, what his reaction would be. And I mean that video has now three hundred thousand views, and no. it's wow. um. And since then, I've had so many people asking, "Can we put boards together?" So we're just now um starting at the side of the business where we're actually building boards for people. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I think we're doing you know on the boards now. I've got I'm putting boards together for. Uh, Simple Minds for Charlie Birchett from Simple Minds and that's going to be amazing. Just done another rig for Paul Stacey who's touring with the bass player f- um, from uh, um, Sultans of Swing Die straight. Um, um, oh, yeah. so, that's easily. You know, that's Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so okay. it's all, it's all, you know, and this has all happened sort of as, you know, aside from, you know, just as a as sort of a side product of actually building these systems and building yeah, your projects to help people yeah. you know, get the most from their rig. So yes, that's a lot of fun. A lot yeah, of fun.
0: cool. There's a couple uh, couple other names I might swing by. Um, Andy Timmons' rig, he was recently on Premier Guitar and he spent half of his interview talking about you. That was <laughs> nice. So nice. <laughs> Tell me about Andy, his rig. Yeah, so this is really funny.
1: There's a, fr- um, so a guy in the States um, that runs a really great guitar store and he's friends with Andy. And said, I'm, you know, I'm going to get two G2s because we got G2 and that was you know, a couple of years ago. Basically, everything that I'd learned over the 10 years, we had the original system out. Yeah. We yeah. put everything that I wanted to put in and ended up the system called G2. So yeah, it's yeah. smaller. Yeah, yeah. Lots that, of stuff. That's
0: incredible, man. It's,
1: it, yeah, yeah. Nice. yeah it's, very, it's very proud of that. That's the culmination of, of, that's, of our life's work, you know, right. in that. So right. anyway, this guy, he says, I'm going to get one of him as well. I said, oh, fantastic. And I hadn't heard anything back for about a month. And I thought, I'm going to send Andy an email, an unsolicited email, just to see if he likes it. Mm-hmm. And I said, You know, Andy, you know, I know that your friend bought you a G2 a while ago and, and just wanted to see how you got. And he said, Hi, don't know, never heard of G2. Um, you know, basically no idea what you're talking about, you crazy person. And um, he said, you know, Thanks for the email. I got an email. 10 minutes later and he says I've just gone on to check out the G2 said so, looks exactly what I'm, I need wow. and I'm like what, can you send me I so, said yeah, no problem and then next thing I know I think about a week later there's a video of Andy playing um, Protocol and uh, who I'm actually going to see on Wednesday they're playing I and mean, I've seen them everywhere they're just incredible uh, and then he was G2 and he's sounding absolutely incredible and so I flew out to Germany to meet him, and we just clicked. He is the best guy. He is everything I've ever to be in a guitar player. He is he, he's not a guitar player. He's a singer, but he uses the guitar to sing. You know, he's so emotionally connected with his instrument. It is incredible. He is such a joyous person, and it comes through in his playing. Um, his... Yeah, it, it, it wonderful, but the, he's just the nicest guy ever, and so we just hit it off, you know, our musical tastes are very similar, and um, I was a big fan of XTC, and, and so was so he, and I actually play, my the guitar player in my band now was Dave Gregg from XTC. Yeah, I'll
0: get to that for sure. Okay.
1: Yeah. Um, so that's, anyway, that's how we hooked up, and uh, it was, yeah, it was really great, and we've been we, you know, never stand, it'd been great. And so then he said, well, When I saw what he was touring with, this board, it was this massive, crazy heavy thing, and it was so heavy that to fly, he had to actually take the pedals off the pedal board before he got on the plane, <laughs> you know. And I'm like, Andy, that's ridiculous. Um, let me build you a board. And this is like, he was a bit. Dubious is like, can you really get this so I can fly with it? But I said, no problem. And I think the board that we built him, came in at 19 kilos, which is he was astounded at. Okay. You know? The board I built him weighed less than the board he had without any pedals on it. <laughs> you know? So that was amazing. Um, and but because of Andy's schedule, uh, I had like two hours. To build sport. I flew to Frankfurt. I I I knew Andy so well. Um, so basically I I have you know I've got a crazy pedal and I had all, all of Andy's pedals anyway. Yeah. So I built big you know, to, to size and um, flew over there, grabbed all of Andy's pedals, put it all on this rig, and we filmed it and we filmed that process in Frankfurt. And literally, Andy plugs into the rig. Plugs in the amplifier, turns his amp on, the curtains open. I mean, he, he this pedal board he'd never played. With. The curtains open on the main stage at Frankfurt at Music Massa, wow. and um, so no pressure. Um, <laughs> but it was awesome. It sound, you know, it was fantastic, and yeah, he's been using that ever since. Wow. But I will also say, um, I've I've been listening to some of the rough mix of Andy's new album. It. Is astonishing. Mm-hmm. He's, so he hasn't actually released a new album for 10, like of, of original material for 10 years. Okay. So, <laughs> yeah. And this really is very, very special.
0: Brilliant. Yeah, because he had the um, the Beatles records. He was doing the guitar. Yeah. The, the guitar. Effort, yep. Which,
1: I don't thing about that album. This will give you an idea of his musicality. So he'd record that as a three piece, yeah? And he did the whole album from memory. Wow. No way the whole album from memory. So, That's crazy. Yeah. 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 So he, the guy is, you know, there's a lot of LA shredders who can, who are great guitar players. Andy is so musical. He's such a music fan. His, his knowledge of artists and is is parallel. The only guy that matches him really is David Gregory. You know, um, I I introduced those two. and went out for a party. It was the most amazing evening. <laughs> out. Just sat listening to these two geniuses go. It was hilarious. But awesome. uh, yeah, If you ever get a chance to go and see Andy play, it's it is really it's humbling and inspiring in equal measure.
0: Mm-hmm. Brilliant. Um, can I talk about a couple other players? Um, yes Guthrie Gavan you pulled his rigs yes. together yes so Guthrie
1: was working for Stephen Wilson and I've, I've been doing rigs for well I've been helping out with Stephen's rigs for, for a while I've always been looking after his guitar players
0: Okay. and
1: recently okay. Stephen went to a G2 and uh, but I got a call from Guthrie and who I've always wanted to would love to have as a player because he's just you know astonishing and he's like I've got very little time I need to get the board together. Yeah, no problem. So I sorted that out and uh yes I've done two boards and now I did I did the first board with the original Pro fourteen with the old unit. Okay. And then okay. updated that and to the G two and yeah, that was was fantastic. Again, it was a I um, I only met Guthrie when the board was finished uh, and sort of delivered, you know, to the rehearsal room. Okay. And then sitting down, and listening to him do what he does in person in the flesh, man alive! <laughs> Still, I've got no idea how anyone gets that good. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's not, that's not that's not just deep practice. That's something beyond. He's genetically engineered as a guitar player. You know, These um, it's and it's you know his guitars. They're not crazy low action or anything like that. He's the guy's the strongest hands I've seen, the most dexterous fingers, but so musical. There's a there's a solo that Andy play that um, Guthrie plays on Stephen Wilson's album, um, The Raven That Refused to Sing, a track called Drive Home, and it's 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 this heartbreaking improvised composition that he does over this track, and funnily enough. He the, the solo that he played on that, it was a new guitar he'd never played before. It was a, a new Fender, Surcaster, the Sustainer on it. He pulled it out of the box, he plugged it in, he said, let's try this. And what that solo that you hear him play on that track is the first time he'd ever played that guitar.
0: Goodness. Just,
1: Goodness. yeah, yeah, crazy. Wow. But yeah, amazing, amazing.
0: Hey, you're from Dave Gregory. um Tell me how you met him and how you and him are now in a band. Uh, okay, so the Dave Gregory thing...
1: Um, I've barely been called the most successful stalker in the world. Um, sorry, massive, bit,
0: The most successful. Sorry,
1: I, I've been called the most successful stalker in the world. <laughs> um, I a massive XTC fan since I was when I was a kid. When I heard um, working overtime, something about the sound of, of that, it was something I'd never heard before, became a with the band uh-huh. and and Dave Gregory The first time I'd ever heard someone who was virtuosic but who completely was subservient to the song. You know, you'd never you never hear him play a lick, for example. It's all all about the music. Um, and I, I just love that. So I learned all of his guitar playing from all the XTC albums I learned. And I was playing an XTC song in Sydney um, at a little place called The Boathouse in Manly. This girl comes up to me so I'm from I'm from Swindon. I used to be in a band with, um, with the keyboard player from XTC and that girl is now my wife, which is how... <laughs> so, That's
0: a nice and rock we, and roll story.
1: It's very rock and roll. And so we're back, one thing to another, we're back in Swindon mm-hmm. and I knew that Dave, I'd run into Andy Partridge at a music store, which okay. is just phenomenal. <laughs> and I've met him a hundred times now, you know, one of the, arguably the greatest songwriters of the 20th century astonishing but I'd never met Dave and um, but I knew he was a fan there's a, there's a a guitar player over here called Matt Schofield he's an incredible sort of Robin Ford style blues guitar player mm-hmm. and I knew that Dave was a fan so I thought well you know the gig coming up in Sweden I went to this gig hoping to meet him and uh, Matt's guitar tech introduced me Dave and you know, I was like you know, freaking out. He was he was there. You know, Dave was talking to the guy. He was just so lovely. And I said this, because we would giggig website at the time, I said, "Can I interview you for the site?" He said, "Yeah, no problem." He invited me over to his house, and then he starts pulling out the XT guitars. You know, like his no. Strat from oh. white the the um the Rickenbacker 12 string from um, British English Settlement. Oh, I was just. Losing my mind, it was just unbelievable. <laughs> and he started playing the, you know, some of the STC stuff and that, and it was wonderful. Anyway, when we became mates and uh, starting out, and then we would—I was doing a um, this band that I was playing. There was a cancer benefit. I thought I'm going to go out on a limb and I'm going to see if Dave wants to come and do a couple of tracks with us. Okay. And because he hadn't played live for a long time. And, you know, I think one of the things that has sort of got me to where I am now is I've always been willing to ask the question, you know, and be and be prepared for the consequences, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and Dave, to my utter astonishment, said, yep, sounds like fun. Yeah. And so, and, and actually, so, yeah, before that, I had a video coming up where we were doing, I was showing people on this video how all the different amplifiers sounded. Okay. And we, I got one of the best amplifiers in the world matchless amplifiers, and two rock, and, you know, and things that I could put my hands on. And I knew Dave Gregory had an old D30. So I said, come down to the studio, and, you know, play. And because I do it with the band, so people could hear it in a live context. And he said, and he said yep. And uh, he came down and we recorded. With the band at the end of that day we had a jam just this jam and that jams on YouTube actually okay. and Dave just tears it up <laughs> this old Firebird couple of pedals in his hand and it was insane and it was after that, that I thought yeah, I'm gonna ask you something I think something clicked at that jam we all knew we all felt it mm-hmm. you know it was very tangible and, and that, was, and that was how we started. And after that, that gig, we did a couple of XTC songs and the, the crowd went nuts. We were doing, I forget, XTC, when they broke up, they broke up at the start of the English Settlement tour. Okay. Every album after, after English Settlement never toured, oh, never played live. Okay, I didn't know that.
0: We were doing songs that had never been played live by any member of XTC. Wow. That's um isn't it? The fans missing those sides. No, and they really came out of the woodwork. It was amazing. So, um, yeah, we've, we're working on our third album now. So, right. um, yeah, it's, it's just been, a, it's been an absolute dream. Fantastic. I don't think we've mentioned the name, The Tin Spirits. Tin Spirits, yes. Nice. Tin Spirits. I was listening to some stuff today. There was a track called Broken. I think. Was that from your first album? That's from the first album, yeah. That's insane. It's like, it's like 13 minutes of this power pop tune with. Harmony licks and, and morphs into this crazy jam, and after crazy jam, so yep. good. I think, well, we're all
1: big prog rock fans, yeah, you know, fans of Yes and Genesis, and you know, and the idea with it was we don't have any real ambition with it, it was just to do things that we want to be one day looking and be proud of, you know, right. yeah, and yeah, we're it's it's great. We um supported Marillion at their convention in Holland years ago, and you know, and that's been, that was epic, you know, like 4,000 people uh, in this big tent, yeah, wow. I thought because we were supporting them, we thought no one there, they were all there, and that was awesome, because we we first started playing with um, sort of prog covers, we'd Thank do, we'd do okay. roundabout by okay. Yes, and Dave and I love all the keyboard parts on guitars, and it cool. was mental, and and we did, uh, so we did that, we also did Tom Sawyer, oh,
0: and, and the
1: crowd the Rush tune, in front of these prog bands, and honestly, the place just <laughs> erupted, so, so much fun. And then the version of Paranoid Android. Um, yeah, so, yeah, it, you know, doing Tin Spirits is, is, that, you know, that's my band, that's the boys I wanted to be in, you mm-hmm. know, but doing it with Dave is just, you, I can't even mention how cool that is. That's so cool. Yeah, man.
0: Nice. Um, can we talk about the pedal show? That's going... Great guess at the moment.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, it's really interesting. I've known
0: Mick for years. Okay, this is Mick Taylor. From he was
1: Guitarist. The editor, Mick Taylor. So he was the editor of Guitar Blazing. I did when we had the first the 1st O14. He was the editor of that magazine then in two thousand and one. Okay. And um, that's how we met. And he. He knew I was really passionate about pedals, and then he asked me to write some comps in the magazine called Porn Stars, and so I'd write about vintage pedals and, you know, yeah. things to look out for. And That's where and, I saw
0: you. That's where I saw you. Okay, I thought it was guitarist, but it was guitar buyer. Right, right, okay. yeah. Yeah, I remember the column, yeah, there'd be these crazy old fuzz nut pedals. Yeah, yeah. And that
1: was great. And yeah, you some know, stayed friends. Then Mick was moved on to be the editor at Guitarist magazine, oh, the biggest magazine in Europe. Yeah. And we 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 stayed, but you know Mick, it's a very different role for him. He's just so busy, and you know, um, so you know we didn't really have much contact for a couple of years. But then when jeet came out, I went and saw him, and uh, sat down. And he was. It's like yeah, I'll, you know, I'll start about doing something different. I'm really into media. And, mm. Oh, you know, fantastic. So, um, you know, we we chat about ideas and stuff, and you know, because YouTube was sort of really taking off. And um, Mick showed me some videos that he'd done, and they were incredible. So he was doing some um, some some YouTube some videos for three amplifiers guys, oh. and they looked so beautiful. Honestly, that's a million dollars. And the little YouTube videos that I'd done at that point, you know, it's so clumsy and hand fisted. And, yeah. and then um, we were in Am together. Mick said, Ask yourself to Nam. He said he'd like to go, but didn't have anywhere to stay. I said, Would well, you know, come and stay with me? I've got a hotel room. Come and crash out. So we were in LA together. And, and you now we're just talking about things we'd love to do. And because Mick and I are very much on that similar. Similar line where it's it's we're just both, both passionate about it, you yeah. know. And he said, "You know what we should do? We should yeah. do a, we should a show. We should do a week show on pedals." And I went, "Yeah, and we'll call it that pedal show." And he went, "Right, done." And it was it. Wow. Decision made. Wow. Five minutes, and <laughs> we started on um, on the gigwig channel. And we just thought it'd be fun, just did a few pedals. We didn't think anything off. It was just two, you know, nutters sitting around talking about yeah. pedals. And then it just took on a life of its own and, well, yeah. Well, it turns out you
0: know, the world is full of nutters when we talk about pedals, so.
1: <laughs>
0: Yeah, it appears so. <laughs> and it's,
1: it, it's worked. It's been really interesting, I think, because we're not... we're not going to sell anything we're just talking about pedals and so we don't we're not really um, constricted by trying to make things sound great we're just plugging them in and talking about and I think for whatever reason it's really connected with a lot of people yeah cool and you know to the point where you know we've got our own channel we're adding over 4,000 subscribers ever Um, it's yeah it's taken on this whole new thing so yeah, it's it's been amazing. As fun enough when we were at Nam this year, and so you know we go to Nam, been to Nam, every, you know most years for past six years, and it's great. And there's guys that knew the gig rig, and it was you know really cool and hanging out with the artists. This year when we went, it was a whole new experience, simply down to that show, and, and you know we couldn't walk 20 feet without stop for a photo. But the strange thing is. Mick's been going there for long. I have. Whenever someone would stop and say, "Can I get a photo?" You go, "Yeah, no problem." Mick would grab the camera and go to take a photo of that guy and me. And the guy would say, "No, I, I really want you both in the picture." Yeah. And yeah. the whole weekend, of them Mick just couldn't get his head around it. It was absolutely hilarious. <laughs> you know. Um, oh, but yeah, so it just goes to show the power of of YouTube, and it is the you know. So YouTube is the second biggest agent behind Google now.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, you know, if you, we've just done something that we we really love. We had we had no ambition of it. We just thought it'd be fun, and this now and the whole life, man, it's been absolutely amazing.
0: That's great. What well, what else about it? I mean, you guys are obviously having lots of fun. It's heaps on that show, and um, but um, you demo stuff in a a very relevant way. So understand if guitars are gonna uh make mm. differently the different ants. Yeah. one of my favourite episodes is when you. You, you're actually very clearly doing this. You've got different guitars, different pedals, and you plug a big muff into a Marshall,
1: <laughs> and yep. it
0: sounds glorious. It sounds incredible. And then you plug the big muff into it, this very clean Fender Twin. An old
1: Silverface Twin.
0: It sounds uh, diabolical.
1: <laughs> but this is the thing. It's, it's one of the things that's always really irked me about people trying to describe pedals and they never describe what it's going into mm-hmm. the one thing that I try to get across all the time about pedals is pedals do not have a sound they simply react to what's going into them and then the amplifier will react to what's going into that they're just a reactive device and somehow it's been missed by most guys you know so that. That was, it. We, you know, arguably we might have gone a bit too far, but it does show you in a very stark... Yeah, yeah. ...what is the contrast between yeah. an amp that's headroom and an amp
0: that starts to compress. Yeah. That was cool. That was fun. Um, here's a question. I don't know anyone yep. that knows more about pedals than you. Um, right. You're building this amazing hardware that guitarists all over the world are going nuts for now. Have you ever considered building your own pedals?
1: Yes, I have considered it, but I don't think, okay, the reason I am reticent to build pedals is because A, I am drowning in absolutely glorious, Pedals. I think we're at the, a very special point in technology where we have, you know, you got guys like Joel from Chastus Audio, who are just making magic happen with old analog devices, crossing them over with digital circuitry. Things like Strymon pedals. We got, you know, um, you know guys like Simon J Kingsley pedals, making these crazy valve overdrive pedals. There are so many guys who are really passionate about making these pedals. What I'm passionate about is making them sound the best that they possibly can, okay. making guys rigs, just helping them get the best out of them. Because here's the thing, it doesn't matter if you're a country player or a doom metal player, I can help you get the best out of your rig. Mm-hmm. But if I tell you, well, this is what I think a good overdrive is, it's just my opinion. Sure. You know. Sure. And then all of a sudden, people hear it and go, well, um, I'm not such a big fan of that and You know, maybe maybe um, he doesn't really understand me after all. It's it's not that. It's just because it's so subjective. Yeah, sure. sure. Uh, It's such a personal experience. Um, If you're a musician and in your heart of hearts that you know you're a musician, um, then every single musician who's in that situation has a different experience and a different sonic experience. We experience music very differently. The reactions, emotions that it brings out is very different. And the way that you set up your rig... Play to player will be that one. Mm-hmm. And I think for me, that's what I want to help draw out of people. Cool. You know, get, cool. Get the help them get the most out of That's what, what my passion is. There are so many wonderful pedals out there. Just, you know, the world doesn't need an
0: overdrive by Dan. <laughs> cool. Hey, um, on, on back, back to something I've heard you say on the pedal show. I've heard you say it a couple of times that Steve Vai's tone on Eat 'em and Smile. Mm-hmm. Is, is one of your favorite rock tones? I think you've. Yep. I, I think I've heard you say top five rock tones. Right. Yes, it's easily top. It, it, it's absolutely in the top in the top five. So, what are the other four?
1: Okay, the other top four um, rock guitar sounds: uh, Eddie Van Halen, um, the first Van Halen. Mm-hmm. Just so ridiculously expressive it's, you know you, you really hear Eddie's soul in that mm-hmm. it's amazing um, I really love there's a the Engvay Malmstein album um, it's called it's like one of the really early ones and there's there's something about that tone he gets but, you know, and a lot of people who, who may not like Engbei? I'm, I'm a closet Engbei fan. Uh-huh. It is so, it was so unique and hearing him do that, and it was the only tone that, um, that you could possibly imagine that would allow him to get these, express these crazy yeah. neoclassical yeah. lines. It was absolutely perfect. Dragon, also, no, not dragons. There's some, there's a big dragon on the front, you know, this thing with the spandex flame shitting <laughs> out of the end of his strap on this dragon. Isn't that all of modern covers? That, I think, yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> pretty much. Um, That's cool. So, yeah, that and I, that is amazing. Yeah. Um, there is um Okay. The, wow. I would I also have to put in um there's right, in, in um one of the one of the XTC albums and I'm going to call it rock because it's definitely a rock tone um where Dave is playing so if you if you listen to um uh this is called Supergirl and it's recorded um with Eric Clapton so Eric Clapton owns the full SG so, uh, sorry Todd Rundgren owns Eric Clapton's old Fool SG the one that's painted the
0: crazy painting yeah
1: painting ones, and the XTC were recording um, an album, Todd Rundgren, and it was set there in the corner, and Dave says, can I play that guitar for this solo? I said, yep, no problem, so Dave put strings on it, and he played a solo on a song called Supergirl, and there's, there's like this phasing tape flanging thing, and it, it's the most perfect sort of rock guitar solo. But with this beautiful atmospheric, watery phase thing on it that's just amazing. I love that. Um, and but I and I have to also put in Gary Moore.
0: Like, yeah. Um, yeah, which era? The
1: the I, I put this in because it's one of the things that I first heard a rock guitar sound and 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 it kind of I just I was so fascinated by the way he could possibly you know get so much controlled gain and it was the the album he did he did um, he did Over the Hills and Far Away
0: ah yeah so this is just before his blues stuff hey yeah
1: yeah Yeah. just extraordinary Mm -hmm. just extraordinary Um, and you know and a lot of that stuff I heard when I was a kid and like I said you know I wasn't brought up in Zeppelin and of course all those Zeppelin and and Hendrix um, and all those guys they're all benchmark tones but I they're not tones that I heard as a kid I, I heard these guys and like oh my word you know I, that was the experience that I had uh-huh. uh, and uh, you know so listening back to them now I funny enough I, I heard a smile just a few months ago and it's still mm-hmm. it, it's still right up there you know yeah. um, but uh Yeah, not really turned me on to, you know, just the pure expression. You know, these guys were um, obviously all sort of virtuosic in their own way. But they're really speaking. They're really being unique and having their own voice, you know. I mean, Andy Summers, um, I've always been – I just wouldn't classify him as a rock guitar player. But his tone on Magali Blanc and, um, you know, there's – just some of those sounds, you know, him using that old electric guitars as a yeah, chorus yeah, player. Yeah. you know. So influential. Unbelievable, unbelievable. So it was funny enough. I interviewed him for Guitarist magazine a few years ago. Wow, really? Wow, yeah, really? and it was that was crazy. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, I'm talking along one day, and I see his name flashing on my phone. I'm like, hang on, what? <laughs> it was a very surreal moment. Um, but yeah. And so that—that's the thing for me. It's—it's it's the guys who have found their voice, you know. I mean Eric Johnson as well. Oh, um, you know, he—I I came to the Eric Johnson party much l- later. There was a his first instructional DVD. Yep. Where he had the two blackface um, little deluxes and two marshals, yeah. and yeah. just switching between sounds. It just.
0: Epic, you know, just epic beyond words. Um, yeah. Cool. Cool. Uh, one more off uh, off center question for you, Dan. It's, um, what's your desert island rig? So you can take. Ooh. I don't know. I'll be generous. Two guitars, <laughs> two amps, three pedals. Okay. Collect my new Gretsch. I love
1: With this Gretsch, it's crazy. And a Telecaster. I can basically get everything I need with those two guitars. Two amps I would take um, would be my okay, my Lazy J J20 and my Hamstead Artist.
0: Cool. Now, what what are so, they about those two?
1: So, right, the, the J20, is basically a Tweed Deluxe Reverb. Okay. That made by G-Hoff, um and. It's it's, it's a tweeter reverb that won't break down. It's, you know, it's it's this wonderful wonderful thing. The Hampstead is it's a really interesting fire. I've known these guys for a while, and I first got into boxes in a big way a few years ago, and I love the sound of the AC thirty, mm-hmm. um, but I've always had a little bit more of an extended bottom end range through it. It shelves off in a very particular way and that's the sound of the box and it's it's really fantastic. But when I'm talking to um, this really amazing amp tech over here uh, who looks after a lot of business and and, uh, is now coming to me. But basically I said to him, what's the the best amplifier you've ever heard? And he says, well, I had an original AC30 in um, a couple of weeks ago. The very first AC30 didn't use EL84s in the output section. It actually used a pair of E 34s so cathode bias EL34s. But the reason they changed was these, the cathode bias EL34s were too big to fit in the chassis that they made, so they had to reduce the valve size They went to four EL84s.
0: Okay.
1: But the original ones they had, they made like 30 with these two EL34s, which is a Marshall valve, basically. Yes, yes. But they're cathode-biased. And he said it was astonishing. So I started off on this thing looking at cathode-biased yeah, EF4 amps, like the, the matchless chieftain is one. and There's a few few other different things. Um, Pure Tone by um, uh, Hughes & Kepp is one. And they had this this sound. And they found this fire by this company in England called Hampstead. And I went and checked it out, and it was just glorious. And I spent a bit of time with them, and I sort of, there's a few things I want to hear and we just voiced it a bit differently and changed a few components and then all of a sudden this thing just springs into life and I'm just so totally taken with it. Um, I did a gig last week with just the Gretsch and the Hamstead, One of the best guitar sounds I've ever had. So it's like the AC 30 I've always
0: wanted to have. All right, we got the Gretsch, we got the Telecaster, we got the Lazy J, we've yep. got the Hamstead, Yep. Uh, three, three, three pedals. Now. Okay, Memory Man. Yeah.
1: Uh, Me right. man, I uh, would say. Oh, cause um. Uh, King of tone. And. Uh, I gotta take my electric mistress. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice. That's it. I reckon that's gonna be I right. I think cheeky back pocket will work properly. But uh, yeah. Awesome. There's, with those, that rig. Not a lot I
0: couldn't do. Yeah, you know. awesome. Cool. I mean, even with a couple of pedals, a G2 would would do heaps of in terms, even just setting diff, setting up different gains, pre gain, post gain. Absolutely.
1: Yeah, yeah. Just using the the, the pre gain structure of G2 with yeah. one overdrive pedal, and you've got a dozen yeah. overdrive pedals. Yeah. You know. Yeah, that's um, the gain structure is such a massive thing. It's such a uh, a lot of people, uh, a lot of guitar players when They start to understand game structure, mm. their rig starts to open up, they yeah, start to Yeah, absolutely.
0: absolutely, absolutely. You guys, um, if I can just plug That's the awesome. show, um, videos, um, when you talk about game structure, it's such a great, such a great episode. Just chain yeah. different drives and boosts yeah. and where you put the chain. Um, you know, I've been playing for a while, I'm not the world's greatest guitarist, but I've been playing for a while. I, I think I know what I hear. I remember, I remember you at uh, Hill song.
1: And your you, your sound was always beautiful, um, and no matter what ring you played into, you always sounded fantastic. And uh, no, we, you're great. You always.
0: That's very kind. But we're talking about you. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> but no, even after I watched that, I watched that video like a couple of months ago. I thought, man, let's. I pulled out my pedal board, rearranged a few things. So much fun. So much fun. It really is. Cool, man. So what's coming up? Um, What's the rest of the year look like, Dan? Um,
1: I've got uh, there's am I allowed? To, okay, I'm off to see um, I think so in a couple of weeks I'm off to France. I'm going to see Radiohead. Um, which is, you know. Amazing, seeing the rig built for Ed, sort of. Yeah. Right yeah. They're one of my favourite bands in the world. Oh, I mean, that's the sound on OK Computer, again, you know, the guitar sound and that, I, you know, they'd that be buying position in my top five as well. Yeah. yeah. You know, wow. So um, that's great. Uh, I'll be doing, um, we're building a new, um, we're sort of expanding the gig, and so we're building a new sort of stage for that pedal show as well, okay. which is cool. Um, yeah, it's we've got we've got a couple of things in the can. As well, that we're working hard on, which is very exciting um, for the gig rig. But yeah, we're getting getting the, uh, getting the pedal board building side of things up together, getting these big rigs out. I mean, yeah. we've just done a big the
0: band, band here. One of my favourite is called Biffy Clyro. In the UK, oh, yeah. and that um, looks insane. Is that the craziest rig you've you've put together?
1: Yeah, definitely. So there's um, they in that rig. It, there's two different. Each rig has five G2s in it, <laughs> and and it's actually not that complicated. The, the G2s are basically acting as a mini controller yeah. for the for a G2 in the rack that holds all the pedals, but they've got also a redundant systems. So there's two G2s, two identical racks, and every unit's talking to each other. So basically, within these racks is signals going out to amplifiers and heads and things, so if they press a button and one of the amplifiers blow up, the other G2 has kept up with the original unit, so they can just click a switch okay. and the whole okay. rig goes over to the redundant system
0: yeah so he's got these huge racks but it's pretty much like two of everything
1: exactly exactly the thing is these guys are selling out 20,000 seat arenas you know they're they are the most exciting live band I've ever seen wow you know and it's funny because we've I've been looking after them in one way or another with backup rigs okay and the 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 um, rhythm guitar player and the bass player—they've been using our old systems for a while. In fact, the rhythm guitar player is still using one of our original Pro Fourteens. Okay. Um, but this is so—I interviewed Simon Neal, the singer/guitar player from D. So this is the first time he's had all gig rig stuff, off, you know, for the main arena stuff. Mm-hmm. And so I only met him the first time on Tuesday this week, and I was totally blown away by. Um, you know, he's a proper rock star, okay. you know, and he was so, so good for the stuff that we've been doing, just, um, yeah, that was, that was a moment I sort of, said sit back and go, wow, you know, um, so yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing them touring, and yeah, it's, I mean, we've already had a massive, yeah, um, it's, a lot of it's got to do with. Um, so, you know, that pedal show has been really good for us, surprisingly. Um, and, you know, look like to me have a lot more artists and, uh, yeah, all that stuff coming up.
0: Yeah, man, it's so, so good to see um, things going well for you over there. Oh, and, thank, and, um, you. thank
1: you.
0: Yeah, because I've known you for a long time, but also I'm yeah. um, having an Aussie smashing it over in uh, <laughs> the UK. We're yeah, all very
1: off to proud. Off to, off to start.
0: Good, mate. Well, Dan, thanks much for joining us today. Um, My pleasure. Oh, and, uh, yeah, take care. All oh, right, buddy. You too. I'll talk to you soon. Cheers, mate.
1: Cheers, mate.
0: On the best. Bye. Alright, so that's the interview with Dan and, um, man, it was really good to catch up catch up with uh, with him. It's, it is really great to see his company doing so well and uh, to hear about his band and, and all sorts of cool stuff going on and Man, Dan, he is so into it. He is so passionate, and um, it's really, really inspiring. Um, that point um, I was trying to make, I don't think I was very articulate, but what I was trying to say um, after watching the pedal show, it really inspired me to you know, check out my own pedal board. And um, I have been playing for a while, and I do have an idea of standard pedal order. Um, but yeah, just watching the show really inspired me to dig into my own rig and, and tweak a few things and just just swap a few things around, really, and um, yeah, I was really into the results. It was really cool, so yeah, it was inspiring, and, and, and I love that about Dan. You know what else is really funny? Um, we When we jammed a little bit in Sydney, well, it's only a couple of times, it's funny. We still remember each other's rigs um, very, very clearly. We remember each other's amps and, and all that kind of stuff, so that's kind of cool. all right well that's episode 10 in the can again thanks for listening in and um hey remember we're on facebook guitar speak podcast we're on instagram guitar speak podcast you can email us at guitarspeakpodcast at gmail.com and um uh you can listen to us you can subscribe on itunes you can listen to us on stitcher or if you go to guitarspeakpodcast.libsyn l-i-b-s-y-n Dot com guitar speak podcast at libson you can um you can check out um our stuff there as well and all our past interviews they're always free to download or to listen to online and um yeah it's cool all right well we're out of here we will see you next week with another episode of the guitar speak podcast see you next time